Welcome to Mihenta On Air on 100.5 and 790 News Radio WSGW and online WSGW.com. Good evening, Mihente, Mihente, my people. Thank you for joining me. I am Larry Rodarte, your host at this new innovative show that is on WSGW and 100.5. Thank you for joining me tonight. You know, it's always about our kids. We always are concerned about our kids and their education. And I know that we are going through some unprecedented times in our community and throughout the world. And with this pandemic, it's very difficult. And um, as we head into the Thanksgiving holiday, um, we are told to try to limit uh, our exposure to other family members, as well as uh, other households outside of uh, your own household. So um, it's difficult. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today on our show, Mi Gente On Air. And I, I think it's, it's really relative, it's important that we have examples from people who have experienced the pandemic firsthand. But on a lighter note, we're going to start today, first of all, uh, with a guest who is the director of Saginaw Promise. And um, she is going to tell us a little bit about a milestone that they have reached in our community. And like I said, it's all about our kids and about their education. And so, you know, we're going to talk about that with Deb Sanchez, a longtime advocate of Saginaw, who, I, again, like I said, is the director of Saginaw Promise. Are you with us, Deb? I am. Thank you, Larry. And and I'm so uh, pleased to, to hear about your new program and to be a part of it. Oh, thank you for being with us today. And I'm so glad that we can talk about something that is so important in our community. You know, the Saginaw Promise um, is at its core a, a last-dollar place-based scholarship program designed to serve as a catalyst for economic development in Saginaw. Can you tell us the genesis, Deb, about the Saginaw Promise? Yes, yes, definitely. Happy to do so. Really what was happening uh, when this program, this program was uh, formed out of a legislative act in 2008 through the state legislature. And what had been the catalyst for that was actually the Kalamazoo promise. And the governor at that time, um, uh, that was uh, Governor Jennifer Granholm and the state legislature, this was both Republican and Democrats coming together and saying, gee, what's working in Kalamazoo is great. They're, they're doing it through a scholarship, and they're giving a benefit to those people who live in Kalamazoo, their, their urban city, to move back into Kalamazoo, and they're seeing growth in population. They're seeing the economy perk up, and if they can do it in Kalamazoo, could we not duplicate this program in other urban centers throughout Michigan? And Saginaw is one of the original ten to say, yes, we will take this on and we will do this. And so each of these 10 communities formed, uh, there was a, an 11-member board formed in each of the 10 original 10 communities. And these 10 communities are all separate. You know, we all have differences, but yet the one common commonality is that we needed to impact our economy and quality of life in our urban sectors. And we were looking at poverty. We were looking at people leaving the community. Uh, we were looking at businesses not doing well. The economy needed to be revitalized. And so with that, they really saw 
an end to the means of saying, what if we were to offer a scholarship? And then each of the communities, and Saginaw being one of those, needed to take that challenge. We needed to raise these dollars. We needed to develop the parameters of our program, the criteria, you name it. And, and once that was all in place and, and our development program had been accepted by the state legislature, Saginaw became a promise zone. And that happened uh, in 2009. And with that, our community was outlined as being the geographic footprint of the Saginaw Public School District, which includes the cities of Saginaw, Zawaki, Cotchville, and that area of Buena Vista that is designated to the Saginaw Public School District. And so students and families could avail themselves of the benefits of the Saginaw Promise. And the Saginaw Promise uh, really what it holds as a, an initiative or as an incentive uh, and a benefit is that people who live in those communities that I just mentioned are eligible to receive a scholarship. The students just need to live in that Promise Zone and graduate from a high school in the Promise Zone and then make application and um, complete the FAFSA, and they are given a scholarship. And with that then you see your population increasing, you see the population being educated, you see it being attractive and, and strengthening, really strengthening the core of Saginaw, but then also seeing some of those benefits spill out to other communities and to our entire Great Lakes Bay region. And we're trying to do that with a focus on post-secondary education. Is to our community, right, Deb? I mean, it's, uh, it sounds ideal. And so give me an example of you know, you as the director, give me an example of, say, in 2019, what exactly happened? And then we're going to talk about 2020. Oh, sure. In 2019. Wow. Um, going back to 2019. Boy. Um, Seems like what, a lifetime ago, right? <laughs> well, I think what you were seeing on a normal basis, you were seeing students, as we do, and we've been doing this since you know, we really started offering the scholarship, which was in 2012. We've been able to go out and promote our program and promote the scholarship and promote the benefits of post-secondary ed. It's not just enough to offer a scholarship. It's really kind of getting the community, the, you know, involved parents, students, educators, counselors, teachers, um, you name it, corporations, foundations, and others, individual donors to say, yes, we can see the vision, we can see the worthiness of the this program, and we can see what you're envisioning for the future and what the impact would be. So in 2019, we were continuing along the lines of really um, promoting what we were offering as far as our scholarship, promoting post-secondary education, going out to the schools, doing in-person presentations, um, working with counselors, giving them the current information on, on what the promise was offering, maybe some new items. And one of the new things in 2019 was to say that our scholarship was not only available for fall and winter, but those students who completed all of the requirements, which is, again, just completing the application, the Saginaw Community Scholarship application, completing FAFSA, and any attachments that are required, um, to let those students know that if they didn't need our scholarship for maybe fall and winter, maybe they have other funding to cover their tuition and mandatory fees, and that's what our scholarship uh, is going toward, that they could now use their scholarship in the summer. And that was, you know, that was big because what we wanted to do was 
offer another bridge saying, okay, if you don't have need of our scholarship for fall or winter, you can now use it during the summer. And if we can keep our students going, you're looking at attainment. And Mm -hmm. so that was a, that was another nice offering, another change for us. So, so uh, if you're in the Saginaw public schools and say you're attending Arthur Hill or Saginaw high and, you know, things are going to be changing uh, pretty soon. Um, you are going to apply through the Saginaw Promise and tell me about how a student um, can benefit from that actual uh, applying for that scholarship in just simple terms. In simple terms, what this scholarship does is it's based on residency and where you graduate. Mm-hmm. And if you're graduating from a high school within the Promise Zone and you live in the Promise Zone with your parents or guardians, you are eligible for a scholarship if you complete what I've already mentioned that you need to complete. But what that does is we do not consider parental income. That's not a qualifier. You know, it doesn't matter what the parents make. doesn't matter what the GPA is, the grade point average, because we will honor the GPA or the standards of the institution that the students enroll with. Well, that's, that's just that's a nice thing to hear, you know. And you, you have... Uh, receive a real push from a celebrity uh, yeah. I know in 2019 and in the past uh, since yes. this program started. Tell us about that with Magic Johnson. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, we, we our, our chair, Joyce Seals, likes to say that we have many funding angels. You know, we've had angels step into our organization throughout the years, and they've always helped. And when we first were looking at I remember being present at the the board meeting. I was a, a public. I was attending the meetings and working on committees, but I wasn't on the board. And I remember being at that meeting when the board voted to say, okay, we've got ourselves organized. Now we are going to start raising the funds to give scholarships in 2012. And then it was like, how do we do it? And then we were just forming that thought of maybe having an evening event, doing something with a big dinner. And then Magic Johnson announced he was coming to town. And he wanted not only to do business in Saginaw, but he wanted to fundraise and help the the area. And so with that, the former uh, superintendent of public schools approached Magic Johnson and said, what about this? Would you be willing to do this with a Saginaw Promise? Their programs are going to be assisting our graduates. And so he agreed. And so he donated his time and, and resources to the Promise. He had, was part of that event. And we raised almost two hundred eighty thousand our first year. Wow! And wow! And you know, and we put out the red carpet over at the Temple Theater in Saginaw. Yes. I remember that I attended yes. that, and it was just nice yes. to see that he cared so much not not only about Saginaw but also uh, his hometown in East Lansing, Michigan. Yes. Um, but to at that level, give himself and give of his time, and then raise two hundred eighty thousand. That's incredible. And, and, and as you indicated, it wasn't just in 2012. He then agreed that he would come back two more years, and actually in Saginaw, he has actually been here four times. Wow, and that's so awesome. That, that has been wonderful, and and we've appreciated his support, and he was here again last November. It was a surprise to us, but he, we were given the information that he wanted to do another event with us, so we said, okay, we will organize one, mm-hmm. and our community responded. And, and I think that's, that's when we talk about our, our angels. We've had such wonderful support from individuals, from organizations, from corporations, from foundations, 
you name it, we've had that support, and that has really helped us. And so, Deb, tell me oh, about uh, you as the director. Deb yeah. Sanchez comes from a long, uh, long time uh, family in Saginaw, the Sanchez family. Uh, your father was real involved with the Union Civica way back in the day. Tell me who Deb Sanchez is and how you got involved with the Saginaw Promise. <laughs> Definitely. Actually, I have to trace it back to, um, well, myself, yes, I have been a long-term, you know, I grew up in Saginaw Township. I've spent most of my adult married life in the city of Saginaw. And and then when I came back, I had been previously employed and working in California and then moved back to marry my husband. And and then at that time, um, started looking for a, a, a local job. And at that point, I was recruited to apply for a nonprofit organization. And hence, that started my road in nonprofit work, working both with the Easter Seal Society, the uh, United Way of Saginaw County as a campaign director, and then the uh, being the community outreach coordinator for the Saginaw Public Libraries. And then while I was at the libraries, my friend Kathy Spence, I ran into her at a function, and I asked what she w- was up to. And she told me about this new economic initiative that was taking place in Saginaw. It was forming, and it was going to offer a scholarship to the students and the residents of Saginaw. And she said, it's really going to be good for Saginaw. And I said, well, I'd be interested in helping out with that. So I started attending meetings. And as I attended meetings, I became more involved. And eventually I was asked to serve on the board. And then I I found that the executive director was moving to another state uh, to join his wife. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. I was surprised because I was was vice chair at that time. And, And when he told us, I said, are you kidding? I mean, I didn't think he was serious. But no, his wife had accepted a nice position in another state, and he was now going to move with her for that position. And so I decided at that time that I would apply. And so I had volunteered about five years with the organization and then felt like I really wanted to be a part of the future of this organization and keep it going forward and and the directorship role. In the right place at the right time, huh? Yes, it really was. And, you know, it's such a good group of people, the board of directors that, you know, I both worked with, served with, and now work for, you know, they're just really committed to this initiative and committed to what it can do for our community. And it's all using that impetus of post-secondary education. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what that's what economists had stated, that by the year 2020, which we're now in, about 65% of all jobs would require some form of post-secondary education, whether that's a, a program certificate uh, or it's a degree. You know, this isn't just for college. This is for, you know, technical skill trades. It's, it's for anything that is from a certified institution we will fund. So tell me, we come to 2020. Yes. And our whole world changed. We all yes. know this. Still, Saginaw Promise hits a major milestone. Tell me about that. Yes. We are so pleased to announce, and we've been you know putting out information, but this is really new news for us. We have now reached, since 2012, we have awarded $1,025,049 in scholarships to 500 I'm sorry to 590 students and and that has taken place from 2012 to this date and if you had told us that and I recently heard from one of the original board members when we shared this information with them 
he said, oh, if that, you know, that was just a dream back then. And to now make it a reality is so, you know, impressive, you know, just to have achieved that. But there were so many people who thought back in 2008 when they first, or 2009 when they first formed, what could this be? And now they're seeing that their their dreams and their aspirations are coming to fruition. And, and those donors, those partners that we have from the schools, from the local organizations and so forth that I mentioned earlier, they, their dreams and of buying into what we had proposed and then what they hoped it would become, it certainly is becoming and it's on its path there. And, and this is just a big milestone for the community. What a, what a plus for our kids. Yes. Yes, that, that's an amazing accomplishment. 1.25 million? Yes. One point, well, it's actually one uh, zero, well, it's actually a million twenty-five thousand and forty-nine dollars oh, okay. in scholarships to 590 scholars. Wow, 590 kids, Saginaw public school kids, correct? As well, the, as well as uh, Zawaki, we include that, of course. Well, actually, it's any high school within the, the Promise Zone. And so we do have, uh, it would definitely include all of the, the public schools. The, uh, there's the Covenant Academy would also be eligible now, too. Uh, Michigan Lutheran Seminary, those students whose parents live in Saginaw, you know, in the Promise Zone, and the students graduate from there. We have, you know, maybe two or three, one or two, usually, from MLS that, uh, actually uh, qualify also for the scholarship because their parents live here. But the majority, the vast majority, would be coming from the Saginaw Public School District, yes. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, as Hispanics, you know, sometimes we we suffer through the the getting our kids through school. And I know that there's been a lot of initiatives like uh, the SOAR program. Uh, Ali Zuniga way back was doing a tutorial program for the kids. And uh, you... As, as the director, how has that played out in terms of trying to get uh, more of our Hispanic kids to, one, graduate, and two, to apply for this scholarship? I think what's really been great about this, and, you know, I, I think I see a number of students come through the program, and, and it is difficult because, you know, sometimes we only have to look at the surnames, and sometimes that name has changed, you know, for our students. And But if you look at the Hispanic surnames, you do see students coming through. You also see those who, who maybe have a different last name, but, but they're still, um, you know, They Mexican look very Hispanic. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I'm thinking my own daughter, you know, she, she doesn't have, she has Sanchez as her middle name, you know. And so, um, but yes, no, we've, we've had wonderful partnerships with the Saginaw Public School District and with the counselors throughout all the high schools because we reach out to all of them. And they take this information. They allow us to come into their buildings uh, to speak about the scholarship. We're usually included. It changed because of COVID this year, but we're usually included in their orientation, the parent and student orientation meetings that take place in August. And we share information about the Saginaw Promise Scholarship and, and how they can apply, when they can apply, and, and what the requirements are. It's very few requirements. It's just residency and completing the scholarship application that I mentioned and FAFSA. You know, if they meet all of that, they're getting a scholarship. And so our students, um, and, 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 you know, and you talk about other initiatives, not only once they've completed the application, then it's helping them into post-secondary ed. And this summer, Larry, I'm really happy to say that 
uh, we had heard about a program coming through the Michigan College Attention, uh, yes, Attention Network. Reten- yeah, Attention is. They just recently changed their name. That's why I'm forgetting some of it. Um, but they were offering a grant to local organizations, Promise Zones, and local communities to help with some of the change that the students had seen. And one of those big changes was school ended very abruptly in the spring as Mm -hmm. far as, you know, in person. They lost their contact, you know, some of them with their counselors or with their, you know, with some of the communication that normally would have been on a day-to-day basis. You know, there was that time of not knowing, you know, how are we going to continue to meet or how are they going to relay information? Well, we heard about this grant program, and with the Saginaw Public Schools, we applied for a grant and hired a summer college advisor. And this person was reaching out to the students who had made application and helping them go forward with those applications or any questions that their parents or students had uh, matriculating and and moving into, you know, just navigating post-secondary ed. For some of them, it's a new thing. Maybe they're the first generation to go off to uh, the post-secondary world. And this was going to be helpful in getting them to complete the forms, helping them go on. Also, another program that came to mind, and I know a number of our universities and, and colleges are doing these programs now. They're, they're looking at attainment, and they're looking at how can we help students with resources on campus. Well, I was contacted by Michigan State University. All right, Michigan yeah, State. Yeah. <laughs> Go green. And, and they um, actually uh, contacted me and said, we'd like you to be the Saginaw Promise. We would like you to be one of four programs, pilot programs, where we want to do outreach to your scholars that are coming to campus. And so we agreed and said, yes, we'd like to do that. And, and what they would offer is information on resources, letting them know, and this is coming through the neighborhood program. They've broken up Michigan State into neighborhoods, trying to make it easier with resources, trying to, you know, uh, make it easier for students to access those resources. And so with that information, they were going to, prior to knowing how badly uh, they would still be isolating in August, but they were going to have a gathering. They were going to reach out to the students. Well, they had to do all of that by Zoom, as it turned out. But they are working with the students. They want to identify what resources do, do the students need, um, how are they faring, making sure they feel welcomed. And that's a big part for any student when they're going to a campus, especially when they might be coming from a smaller school to a big school. Right. And, and so well, we well, were really thrilled to be a part of that, too. So that's another way of looking at helping students to succeed. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, a number of those students are, are Hispanic. You know, I've seen some of them as well in our, in our group. We don't, and the reason I say uh, we don't ask uh, what their ethnic background is, what their nationality is. Um, you know, we, we um, pretty much just get the word out. And, and say, this is for all of you, you know, who live here and so forth. So, you know, as we have, you know, really dealt with this pandemic. Yes. And it may be discouraging or people just don't have the awareness right now to actually apply for scholarships. I mean, it's, you know, it's got to be tough to be a student you know, yes. looking to go into higher education. What would you say to those students or parents who are looking to um you know, possibly get this scholarship at this moment in time? I would say definitely the scholarship. In fact, it's an online scholarship. We use the Saginaw Community Foundation Scholarship because the reason is 
they can apply for the Saginaw Promise with that scholarship application. They just simply need to check off Saginaw Promise, and they have to answer two questions. How long have they attended school in the Saginaw Promise Zone area? How many years have they lived in the Promise Zone area? Then, but also, they are able to be reviewed by 200-plus other scholarships that the Community Foundation houses. Right, so that's right. a win-win. The more money our students can have when they go off to school, the more likely they are to attain and to go on and complete. And so we like that part of it. That's also why we ask our students to complete. It's a, it's a requirement. We ask them to complete FAFSA. Well, well, Deb, I, I'm running out of time here, oh, of but I thank you so much for this important information because anything that can help our kids to obtain that higher education is a plus for not only them, their parents, but our whole community at large. So thank you again, Deb Sanchez from the Saginaw Promise. Thank you, Larry, and please visit our website for Saginaw Promise. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, up next, we have a a family that's going to be talking with us. We're going to go on break right real quick, but we are excited to hear about um, the life of Maggie Garcia. This is Mihinta on Air on WSGW. This is Mihinta on Air on WSGW. Welcome back, Mihinta. Thank you for being with me. I'm your host, Larry Rodarte, again here on our second show of Mi Gente On Air. And I want to thank uh, all the listeners and all the people who have had have given me feedback um, from the first show, the premiere show. And, um, you know, I, I hope that people will engage more and give me ideas either on social media or text me and let me know what type of uh, shows they want to hear, what type of guests, because, uh, you know, I, I really feel this is the community show, Mi Gente, My People. And uh, it gives us, uh, you know, room at the table to be inclusive of so many uh, people in our community who are doing great things. So please uh, engage with this show as much as you can, whether social media or on my phone, and let me know uh, what you think and and what you'd like to see. Our second guest today uh, are two daughters of the late Maggie Garcia. And I just want to say, as I start out, um, about talking about Maggie, I want to first give my condolences to Juanita Gonzalez and little Maggie Sines, who have uh, witnessed firsthand about the devastation of the coronavirus. And as we are in this second wake of the coronavirus, where we've just been told uh, by the governor that uh, we need to possibly uh, shut down a little bit more of our, um, like our restaurant businesses to sit in. Uh, it's been really difficult for so many to, you know, we've been going through this for so long for what, seven, eight months now. And, you know, we, we got to get through this. We've got to get through this month, December, January. Uh, there is a light at the end of the tunnel with the vaccines that are being announced by Pfizer. Um, and so, you know, we're living in some really unprecedented times, uh, not since 2018 when the last real pandemic was affecting the United States and the world. And, you know, I was really devastated uh, to hear 
that Maggie Garcia had passed away. And, you know, we were posting, uh, asking for prayers for her. And the reason why is because Maggie was such a influence, a big impact within our community. I interviewed her daughters for a story in Mi Gente magazine in the October issue. And the title was Maggie Celebrated Life with Compliments, Love, and Bling. And if you knew Maggie, you knew she was all those things. And I remember when I met her the very first time in my life, I was with my fiance at the time, mm-hmm. Lydia, and she and I walked into the Lincoln Hall in Bay City, and there was Maggie, and she saw us from a distance. And she came over to us, and she said to Lydia, Oh, mija, you're so beautiful. Let me touch you because I don't want to give you ojo. <laughs> you know, and and that was Maggie. She was so down to earth with compliments and with love, like I said. And it's just amazing to me that she was a celebrity within her own little community of Saginaw, within our Hispanic community. And she flaunted that. And it was a beautiful thing. So I want to welcome you girls, Juanita Gonzalez and little Maggie Signs. Thank you for being with us. And thank you for sharing this story that you're going to tell us in your experience. And I do want to offer my deepest condolences for the loss of your mother. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you, Larry. And this is little Maggie. And I just want to tell you on your radio station, Larry, from the bottom of my heart, I really want to thank you guys and from the Garcia family for giving us this opportunity to speak on behalf of my mother, Maria Garcia. And yes, my mother was just the most beautiful this person and um you know we miss her dearly you know we've been really affected by this uh virus and everything and it it really hit home for us you know and i'm hoping and praying that everyone is stay safe out there you know um for them to wear their mask and stay six feet apart do their social distancing I know it might sound kind of difficult that people want restaurants open and, you know, our life has all been on pause, but until it really hits home, then people will understand. Um, Like I said, uh, back to the story of my mother, uh, she was just the most gorgeous and loving person. She was my best friend. Um, I miss her dearly. My father misses her ever since August uh, 16th. Our life has changed. Um, but, 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 but hold on, Maggie. Let, let me let's go back. Let's go back to mm-hmm. April uh, when okay. we, we went into the first shutdown. Yeah. What were your thoughts mm-hmm. about the coronavirus at that time, knowing, um, you know, what was happening in the world in China and everything? Because I want to go through the timeline of this, you know, all the way up until mm-hmm. today. Yeah. Your family, mm-hmm. how did you take that that news and in, in going into the shutdown? And how did your mother how did your mother react to it? Oh, my mother was very, um, she was very worried, uh, very scared um, because, you know, she had a lot of uh, other illnesses that, you know, health conditions. And so did my father, you know, as well. So she was very worried and uh, they actually, you know, try to protect themselves, make sure they took everything seriously, stayed home. Um, we would go to the grocery store, you know, it was just devastating for them because out of so many years, we never had anything to shut down as far as like this and for mm-hmm. kids to be home. 
for school, it, it really took effect on all the grandkids. So she was very worried for all of us. And I think I think we all got voicemails from her, even calls. Yes. And on the calls, we're like, you know, and this is back in March, to be honest with you, like the end of March, she was calling everyone and saying, you know, she was real scared um, for all of us to be real safe. Don't go nowhere unless we have to try to mm-hmm. stock up on whatever you can, you know, and she was just telling us to all that she loves us and pray that we get through this yeah. pandemic. You know, she was like, she don't want to see none of her loved ones sick and she really loves all of us, and we just gotta all be safe. And and, and yet, I mean, that, and yet, she caught the virus. Was it was it she who caught it first? Because I know it ran through your family, correct? Yes. And, um, and, and so a, tell me, tell me the timeline. When did she actually get the uh, uh, test positive for coronavirus? That would be August sixteenth. Um, we actually went to. A store I went and took my mother to go get, you know, um, a couple of little things. Um, she actually uh, had fainted in the store. And when she fell in the store and fainted, uh, she ended up going to the hospital. And when she went to the hospital, that's when we found out she was exposed to um, the COVID-19. And then after that, that's how it all started. She never came home from there. Then they had my father get checked. My father tested positive as well, um, but they let him go home, told him that he had to be quarantined for 14 days. Um, and this is where our whole life has changed because I took my father in into my home in Alma. I live in Alma, Michigan, mm-hmm. and I took my father in with open arms. You know, he's my father. And so I let him um, come with me and I took care of him because I was very close to my mother and father. And so um, as he came in my home, um, we all have got it, of course, and I have got it. And my four other children had got it as well. And we all tested positive. We did our quarantine. I know they said 14 days, but we actually quarantined for a month. And then we went and got retested. And thank God that we were all tested back negative. Um, we really quarantined ourselves and made sure that we were in the home, did not leave. We all separated ourselves in different rooms and did what we had to do um, to protect ourselves. And all we did was um, pray for my mom, and it just started to get worse for her. And then, you know, um, it's just a scary thing. Um, You know, it it just really took effect on all of us. But one thing I do want to say is that a lot of people... Uh, do for you know to don't so a lot of people are embarrassed to say that they tested positive yeah. and a lot of people b- believe that you know some people don't believe in this but you best to believe it's real it took my mother so I know how serious this is um, I'm one of the persons that had tested positive and I didn't keep quiet I wanted my loved ones and my friends and my family to know you know, the truth, it's nothing to be embarrassed about. If you have it, tell those so that way your family members can be safe as well, you know. You know, yeah. a lot of people think because you have no symptoms, don't, you know, oh, I don't have any symptoms. No, you might not have no symptoms, but you might carry it and give it to someone who's going to have the symptoms, you know. And like, like I said, it, there's no telling where my mother got it from, Um to be honest, she was a loving person. She, she was a loving person. If you've seen her anywhere, you know, you couldn't help but hug her or, you know, yeah, you wanted, yeah. she was one of the persons you wanted to go say hi to. 
you know, so there wasn't no telling where she got it from. Um, just the the fact that she had got it, and, and you and, know, and, and she and when she was in the hospital, she um, so she was around in the hospital from like August sixteenth, um, and mm-hmm. then um, she passed around September nineteenth. So about a month, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and was she um, was she put on a ventilator? Yeah, she was put on a ventilator. Actually, when she went in on the sixteenth, um, oh, mommy thought that you know she was gonna be okay. She honestly um, went in the hospital. She was talking to us. She was like, you know, I remember her telling me, "Oh, Mija, you know, um, Mijanita, I love you. Just I'm okay. You know, um, just tell you know, just tell Daddy to go with Weta. You know, she was just t- talking normal, like you know, I'm gonna be okay." I'm going to fight this. You know, I, I understand I got to be in here by myself, but I'll be home in a couple of weeks. You know, she was expecting a couple of weeks and it's just little did we know mommy was never coming home, you know, and it's just one of those things that it really hit us. You know, um, she was on the ventilator. She had caught pneumonia while having the virus. Um, a lot of complications, you know, then they had to try to run her on dialysis while she was in there. You know, all kinds of other things popped up with this virus and, it's just, you know, they had, she was catching a fever where they couldn't control the fever down. And for a, it, it's just her immune system went low. Everything just starts shutting down on her a little. Everything starts shutting down on her. Yeah. You know, then, I, you know, I, I brought you onto this program because I think it's so relative right now in the times that we are living in. You know, I had these questions in my mind to ask and, 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 and talk with you about, but, you know, the sensitivity of this topic and just, I know the love that you had for your mother. It's just, it's, just, it's throwing me for a loop. You know, I, I'm, I'm getting uh, a little emotional here as well. I can hear it in your voice, but that's what happens. That's what happens. Yes, that's what happens when, you know, you don't take this virus seriously. And, you know, we hear about the anti-maskers and, you know, it's terrible that we have to be uh, a society that uh, is divided on this issue when we should all be fighting together to get ahead of this virus. And that's where I think, you know, at the, it's the end of 2020, and we've been going at this a long time now, and we're, we're tired, yeah. we're devastated, but we got to get through these next three months. You know, we got, yeah. we got to get where that vaccine's going to come and it's going to help us. And everybody thinks, well, 2021, you know, is going to be a better year. It's good. You know, we don't know that yet, but you yeah, know, we don't, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's you know. really difficult. And I, you know, one of the things I, I want to convey to the listener as I did it with my readership in Mi Gente magazine was that the coronavirus, although it took the life of Maggie Garcia, your mother, and it, it devastated yeah. your family. And, and I know I, I've heard from your father as well. That wasn't all her story. You know, her story was that she was a flamboyant woman who knew how to dress, knew how to put bling on all her clothes, just, yeah. you know, was really out there. Was what You know, she walked into a dance at the Union Civica Mexicana and all heads turned. That was Maggie. Yeah. You know, that, that was yeah. Maggie. And then 10 minutes later, you'd see her going through the tables greeting everybody greeting everybody can you tell me a little bit about that aspect in that life of your mother well mommy was always a man she always was the she was the light of the party that's for sure she always um she was a decorator she was a a sewer she was just a cake maker man a cake maker she was just everything a baker a cooker just a good wife she was just everything she was just a one 
time um what, what do you call it a one um one woman show <laughs> yeah like she's just one of those ladies that comes once in a lifetime to be honest like she just mommy had her own style um she mommy didn't care how how she her, her weight never affected her yeah you know that's one thing i can say mommy she loved the way she was and she loved her body she didn't care about anything she knew how to make herself look you know beautiful and representable she was very clean um mommy there's a lot of times she used to buy my um she'll buy me something and i'm like mom everybody's gonna have that outfit on she's like nope not when i'm done with it nope not when i'm done with it you know and she'll fix the outfit up and i'm like man i'll go and i'm like dang mom you got me looking different than everybody you know like Mm-hmm. She knew how to make things look different, and that's one thing. She was a blingy lady, had her nails done, oh, yeah. toenails done, hair done. I mean, mommy was just and and her and, and along so. along with that bling, along with the, the look, came the personality. You know, and I and I know. Yes. I think you told me a story. I think little Maggie had said that you know you're you're acting like mom. You know, at the dances, <laughs> and and tell tell us tell our our, our uh, listening audience about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, he always to me act like my mom. We go somewhere, and I'm like, you know, she'll, she'll go say hi to everybody, and I'm like, girl, you sound just like mom. You act just like mom, you know. She was another one. She knew all my mom's friends. They would always go and say, oh my god, you look just like your mom, Maggie, or you know, Maggie. Just she knew more of my mom's friends. Me, I was more like my dad. Hi, bye. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Yeah, and you and, and you and you both were very fortunate um, that you were yes. given a quinceañera by your mother and father, and yes. uh, you know the the quinceañera, we 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 are familiar with it. That's a coming out party for a fifteen year old girl. Well, when Maggie yes. Garcia threw these quinceañeras for her daughters, it was just not a regular quinceañera. I mean, there was a a, no. a, a limousine there, at one of them, and the oh, other one had a carriage. Uh, at the Dow Event yeah. Center. Tell tell us a little bit about that. Well, mommy made us feel like princess for real. I mean, like, you know, you you there's little girls who dream of this and that and about, oh, I'm, you know, I want to be this princess. I want to be that. And she she had me a Cinderella style one. Um, Maggie, she had Maggie a big um, fairy tale quinceanera. Um, I'll let Maggie tell her quinceanera. <laughs> Okay, hi, Larry. I was very blessed when my mother did my quinceanera. Uh, I had six limos, a Rolls Royce. I had uh, trolleys for the compadres and comadres of hers. I mean, I just, to this day, people talk about uh, my quinceanera. And I designed in my own cake, and my mom made my cake the way I wanted it. And I had, oh, my God, I had three fountains and all the 15 dollies and my the big dolly and my mom had just so many it was like a big tall tier of cake um she did and with stairs and it was just beautiful the talent that she had and the mm-hmm. motivation that she had for us girls and for um you know just doing things it just i i thank my mother from the bottom of my heart we had the best and, parents and, you know and, and in doing those quinceaneras for you girls um that definitely mm-hmm. um had given your parents 
comadres and compadres, uh, and that's part of the reason why you would see Maggie at the dances, and she would be greeting every table in the Union Civica Mexicana. I re- <laughs> I'm saying that with laughing at it because I remember, but it was true. It was very true, and um, Ma- Maggie was an unforgettable character, and, you know, we can say that, you know, everybody would say that about their mother, you know, that she was the best and, you know, whatever, and, and that's true to you girls, but in reality, when you think of mm-hmm. Maggie Garcia in the Saginaw Hispanic mm-hmm. community, she really yeah. did stick out. You know, she really was yeah. this presence that mm-hmm. loved her yeah. culture, loved her family, loved her friends, yeah. her comadres, her compadres. She loved yeah. everybody. And that's how I will always remember Maggie. You know, she she went out yeah. of her way, you know, like when I, to- when I told the story about yeah. when we first met her. But I remember the last time I saw her, too, after the Adelante Awards um, in 2018. Mm-hmm. And she had talked mm-hmm. about how she was going to take care of your father. Your father, uh, I think it's okay to say, you know, he was diagnosed with cancer. And um, yes. Maggie was all about Beto. You know, she was all yes, about your was. dad. And and I remember hearing her mm-hmm. with such conviction, you know. And mm-hmm. it's God, you know, sometimes uh, changes our plans. And uh, unfortunately, um you know, Maggie's not here to take care of your dad, and you are now, little Maggie, and I applaud you for that. But what would you say to the comadres and compadres, which in the Hispanic community we're all comadres, compadres, what would you say to the people who aren't taking this too seriously? Um, I would just say to them, you know, that, you know, let this be an eye-opening for for them, you know, um, I, I, I feel, um, you know, if they love just, just their family, their, their friends, they seen what happened with their comadre, you know, um, it is real out there. I want them all to be safe. Um, it's just something that is just so touching that we can't, um, bring back, you know, once you lose your family, once you lose someone of your family members, you know, it really would touch home, but we want to prevent that, you know, so, all I can say is for everyone just to stay strong, stay safe. Um, my mother's and compadres, she loves them all. And um, just to think about what my mom went through, you know, uh, to have that, just just to think of, of what she went through. You know, she loved my dad so much. She wanted to take care of my father so much. And I'm more than sure all her compadres and compadres and compadres knew how much my mom loved my father, you know? And, um, you know, like I said, just take care of themselves, do it, you know? Yeah. Did you, did you say Juanita, you also got the COVID or was that uh, little Maggie's family with in Alma with your dad? Um, it was Maggie's family, but I did have her daughter here with me mm-hmm. and I took care of her daughter and her daughter was positive and yeah. I took care of her. Um, she quarantined here at my house. Um, you know, I test, I tested negative, but, um, you know, I thank God that he gave, you know, me the opportunity to take care of my niece and, mm-hmm. and to help us all get through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, Ma- you know, and Maggie, do you, do you feel like you're a hundred percent better now? Yeah, I feel like I, I mean, I feel like I'm a hundred percent better as far as that. But as far as um, you know, because we do hear about people who three months down the road mm-hmm. and they're still feeling some effects, you know, of 
uh, the coronavirus yeah. having it. And so, yeah. you know, it sounds like you had a more mild case of it, and I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Is that yeah. Was that the case for you? Yeah, that was the case for me. That was the case for me and my children and my father. And to now we're still trying to stay, you know, safe as far as for my father. Because like I said, my father has this cancer and I'm taking care of him. And and, am I very scared? Yes, I'm scared. You know, I'm scared. I don't want him. I lost my mother to it. I don't want to lose my father to it. Bad enough. He already has cancer. And um, I pray that God gives us you know, more years with him. And uh, like I said, only God knows when he wants us. But um, in the meanwhile, we're all safe. We're all doing what we're supposed to do. And it's it's just an ugly feeling to even experience this. You know, I I think back and I'm like, you know, um, you know, I think, and I wonder, like, did I give it to mom? You know, but um, I had surgery in July of 23rd and um when i went for my surgery they had to test me back then and i was negative or they wouldn't have did my surgery so um that's why i know and sometime in august is when it affected all of us and when she got it but we just don't know where and it's like we're pin trying to pinpoint it and we just don't know but i just pray to god that our family all just stay safe and our friends and you know, the whole world just, you know, God bless us all. Yes, and yes. To the young, to the young ones, uh, it's mainly the young ones, too. You know, a lot yes, of the young Juanita. ones. Yeah, this is me, Juanita. <laughs> a lot of the young people, I do see a lot of young people, and they want to be out there partying. They want to be out there, you know, drinking and doing all other kinds of stuff. But at the end of the day, it's like you really got to think, you know, be smart with what you're doing. Don't drink after others. Don't, you know, really take this seriously. Yes. And, well, thank you. you. Know, uh, thank you, ladies, for being with me today here on Mi Gente On Air. I, I know it's very hard. It's very difficult. I wish you guys the best. I wish you love this holiday season coming up. I know it's going to be very difficult. But just remember the spirit of your mother, and she's with you in your heart always, always. Thank you. Thank you. And, and so you. I, I just want to say to our listeners on that on that little bit of a somber note, please be serious and wear your mask at all times. Wash your hands. Do what we're expected. It's all a part of what we all have a responsibility to do to overcome this virus. So as we go into the uh, holiday season, I want to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving coming up. I hope that you're safe. I hope that you're filled with love, even if it's over FaceTime or what have you. But I just, I just wish you all the best as we get through this holiday season and these last couple months. Thank you so much. Larry Rodarte here with Mi Gente on air. Until next time. Thank you.